Welcome to Married and Having Fun. We're your hosts, Kathy and JC. Kathy here. I'm 46. I've been married for 25 years to my main squeeze. I'm JC. I'm 33, married to an awesome pastor of six years. It's my second marriage. We have seven kids between our awesome families. On this podcast, we will share all of the ups, downs, and emotions around marriage and all the things in between. If you know what I mean. Sit back, laugh, cry, and enjoy. This is Mary and having fun. And so in a general bad mood going into the class, sweet mm-hmm. Daniel. And then by the time I did get interested, he he was like, oh, I'm so glad we're just friends. <laughs> so then it was another long journey of me being like, oh, okay. The secret behind that is <laughs> for anyone listening that wants to know how to play the long game. Ooh, yeah. I was not aware. Being friends <laughs> you, you walk the road to a healthy marriage because yeah yeah we were really good friends. good friends this is 
starting to date my best bud. Is not flirtish or friendship. <laughs> <laughs> there was a fair amount of flirting. Yeah. We told everyone, oh, we're friends. And everyone, I remember my friend Chanel being like, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Daniel and I were in youth ministry for about eight years before kind of transitioning into, you know, lead pastor role. And we've had a lot of students that are walking in all different types of circumstances in life. So we tended to work with students um, ninth grade and 12th grade. I worked with older students. Um, and Daniel at one point led a middle school super successful daily Bible study and is the greatest worker of sixth graders I've ever seen. So Ooh. he's got that magical middle school skill. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun age. They are um, at, the, at the peak of um, kind of, well, I should say, they're right at the end of the time where they, they, they want adults to really like them and really want, um, they still revolve their worlds around what mm-hmm. adults think of them. Changes in middle school, as yeah. many parents know. <laughs> um, but they also are coming into their own um, person in really beautiful ways and having imagination and ideas and a maturity that can understand the deep things of Christianity. And they're full Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. You can take them seriously good, and they'll babe. take it seriously. So they're listening to you and, and can read you something that they can understand. So, yeah. Uh, we'll talk good. more about that little that little crucial window today in, in the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the reasons that I kind of wanted to get into um, this conversation is because mainly I believe that sex has become such a taboo kind of thing that we shouldn't talk about mm-hmm. um, or it's really hush-hush, um, especially with adults. Um, sadly, even within marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a really uncomfortable subject. And I feel that um, one of the missions of this podcast is to make it more normal because God created sex. Yeah. But um, also to make it normalized to where as parents we're comfortable talking about it and then sparking change within our children and helping them be comfortable to talk about it. So... Um, yeah. When do you think is a good age to start talking to your kids about sex? I think you should err on the side of better safe than sorry. And mm-hmm. the truth is, I think a lot of research coming right out right now is that first exposure um, to kind of conversations is typically sadly around seventh or fourth grade oh, wow. um, these days. Um, really early, yeah. Yeah, really early where there's conversations that um, it's not actually conversations. It's it's sadly because of the internet, um, yeah. where there's just stumbling onto something mm-hmm. where that wouldn't normally happen, you know, with our parents growing up or something like that. But um, even my generation, the internet had, was kind of this Pandora's box that mm-hmm. was just there, mm-hmm. um, available to open just before kind of filters and the awareness and everything, and, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, that we have now of where there can be such dangerous territory um, on the internet. And um, so I, I think that there's, um, there's wisdom in, in, in you know, knowing 
different contexts and knowing yeah. uh, different situations that kids are in, you know. Um, but just as far as uh, just, I think this can tie into another conversation about technology in general. Um, but knowing, depending, uh, one of the factors is depending on your child's exposure to technology and the internet, you can. And other kids, yeah. And other, well, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's the other factor. Mm-hmm. Um, there, that can, that age can be a lot earlier than it used to be yeah, just because sure. of, um, just because of that single factor. Um, other factors of course are. Yeah. So to kind of like drill down on what Daniel's talking about, um, as an example, I was a youth pastor of a pretty intimate youth group for a couple of years. A lot of the students were homeschooled. And even inside of a context like that where there's a lot of parental control and, you know, the, the one place that the kids are kind of rubbing shoulders with other kids is the youth group. Mm-hmm. Even within that context, very safe, very monitored. I had stuff going on with my students of younger students getting exposed to things that, you know, and that's, that's kind of a situation of like mm-hmm. a pretty ideal situation of places for your kids to hang out. So... When Daniel says better to be safe than sorry, what I what I hear in that is we as parents need to embrace and accept that our children are going to learn about sex. Mm-hmm. And they're and it's going to happen early and it's going to happen really fast. And yeah. so we knowing that information like we we can't lock our children up in our homes. Yeah. Whether through the internet or through friend or through, you know, sports or school, public school, there's so many different ways because sex is so such a um thing that's happening in our culture where it's just the tentacles are very far Mm -hmm. so with that knowledge instead of being like oh i want you know i want to protect their innocence that's very important but knowing that this conversation is coming wouldn't it be nice if we were the ones that were helping equip our children with the tools to navigate that conversation? Mm -hmm. Like I want my one year old, I want to be the first person she hears about it from. I don't want it to become the secret that she doesn't know if even mommy knows about this stuff. Yeah. So because of that and knowing that Lena's likely to be involved in extracurriculars, we're going to be talking about this really early. I mean like five years old early and possibly sooner. Um, Because I want to disarm um, the tabooness about adults talking to children about it, but in particular, I want her to hear about that from me. Yeah. yeah. Hearing you make those statements actually would give me chills because even though I've now like put things in place for my two and four year old, mm-hmm. I didn't really per se have that mindset with the eleven year old. So now, like, he's watching as I talk to the two and four year old. And so we've kind of made up rules where we're like, okay, we're not going to call their body parts like nicknames. We're going to actually say what they are Mm -hmm. so that they know, like they can say things or, you know, when, Mm -hmm. when things are happening, God forbid, but, um, he is uncomfortable as an 11 year old. He's like, mom, no, just tell them it's a no, no spot. And I'm like, no, we're going to call it this, you know? And so, um, it, it is a harsh reality that we need to come to terms with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, I, um, I remember, you know, having taught, um, be taught, you know, my dad, 
sadly after I was exposed to pornography mm. growing up. Yeah. And so it was a little bit of like a like a, a messy kind of, piecemeal. And it was still kind of talk. like veiled conversation with kind of using substitute names and, and euphemisms and, and nicknames and things we said. Yeah. And you kinda wanna just say like, let's rip the band aid off here. Uh, you know. Yeah. We don't have to talk in veiled metaphors anymore. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um but I I wanted to drill back to the the phrase our kids to this topic until they reach a certain age mm-hmm. where then they it's like all of a sudden mm-hmm. well some of the conversation today is about how do we look at this in a way that it's not about um, this is actually this dark dirty thing mm-hmm. that we don't want to have our kids hear about until you know it is something that um, is powerful um, and it yeah. needs to be heard in a, in a way that they can steward but distorted view of it. Mm. It's the perversion of the good thing yeah. that we don't want them to have. And so if we're introducing them to the the positive but to the correct to the righteous way of seeing it. That's right. Then it's when they're exposed to the perversion, then they can recognize it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I know what we're talking about. That's yeah. just not actually what it's it's supposed to be. Yeah. And um, like there are plenty of things in our children's life that they they have not reached an age of maturity for that they definitely look forward to and it's not veiled in this dangerous vernacular like getting your license like it's Mm -hmm. not this spooky private thing and then suddenly when you're 16 then aha I have this level of freedom but it's like no like this is a normal part of our life this is something we look forward to this is a good thing this brings more autonomy or you know fill in the blank Mm -hmm. where it can become a mile marker of yeah this is something that is coming let's have conversations about this that include joy and gift and um empowerment um and yet there's still boundaries like just because a boundary is in place doesn't mean it's bad Mm -hmm. it just means it's a boundary to to give it a very practical name though i would say this could be a little bit of a thing i think we're taking the context but i will say at least for our kids yeah i mean there's a tiered response to where when you're even a baby a child are on the team, we mm-hmm. are naming anatomically what what yeah. your different parts are. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not calling them by their name, and it's not this secret hush hush thing that you need to be ashamed of. Yeah. And then when they hit fourth grade, second grade, or whatever, we are talking about you know how we're interacting with other people, mm-hmm. making sure that you know, we're saying that is your area to to control and be yeah. responsible for, and that's not for other people to touch. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, which I think is so important to just really hone in on Uh Um, it could be a fear for me with my girls um, and and also with my son but I think so much can be avoided if we actually do talk with our kids young put Mm -hmm. give them the correct names of their private Mm -hmm. parts Mm -hmm. and to have those conversations Um, I want to talk about Sometimes I feel like, and I guess we touched on this a little bit, what hinders us with having that that sex conversation with our children maybe is the shame that we carry around Mm -hmm. our own sexuality and um, and things like that. And and the choices that we've made, especially as 
Christian parents or however. And then um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about sex positive. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think this is a helpful place for me to jump in. Um, <laughs> so I um, have a really tight relationship with my dad. He's just totally amazing. If you hang out with me for more than a day, you're going to hear like 15 Ray Lopez stories. He's <laughs> definitely my best friend. Daniel, you're my best friend too. It's okay. I can have more than one. Um, but I remember, you know, coming up and doing, like, we didn't have conversations about sex when I was growing up. There there were, like, funny conversations that happened. I remember one time my dad, who watched a lot of Dr. Phil and Oprah when I was coming up, you know, like, chasing my sister down as a teenager and saying, don't have oral sex. And it was super <laughs> awkward. And, like, that was the extent of our sex talk. <laughs> but I'm sharing that to say that there are two memories with my own dad was when things came out about me, him, the way in which he pivoted. He could have been really awkward, Mm -hmm. and he could have been embarrassed or angry, you know, or I thought you done about it, but instead he said, oh, I have a hard story. And he started opening up to me more about his own experience, which I think a lot of dads would not act in that level of vulnerability. And then another thing was, you know, a lot of times – kind of before sexual molestation happens, um, when kids are little, there can be exploration. Mm -hmm. And particularly when young ones are experiencing some sort of abuse, that that can be kind of the first signs is like over-exploration where where hands are just kind of wandering and curiosity. And part of that's totally natural, like curiosity at certain ages. But I had this hard experience when I was a little girl where a really good friend of mine had explored too much. We were probably in first grade. And I remember being in grade school, trembling, and this is years after it happened, probably two or three years, coming to my parents and saying, somebody touched me in a way that I don't think was okay. I didn't even have language for what happened. It was just like, I don't feel, when I remember that day, I don't feel good about that day. And again, my dad in that moment goes, you know, Iha, which is daughter, Iha, I'm so sorry. It's okay. I had an experience like that too when I was a little boy mm-hmm. and that kind of invitational disarming thing made it feel like it wasn't this dirty thing where I was suddenly like not his precious little girl anymore, mm-hmm. but it was more of this, let's have an open conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to be afraid type mm-hmm. moment. That was really modeling for me, you know, as I step into parenthood, like I want Lena to know my story. Because, one, I don't want Lena to have Daniel and I, her pastor parents, on a pedestal and think that we're unattainable. Um, I want her to know that God has been in our story and redeeming our time and that we, too, have been on a journey. Um, And I know in my own walk with my dad, that has been really liberating and really created a sense of I can come to him with my hard moments or my questions and that he's going to let me know about his journey, too. I think when we talk about sex, having the talk, we should reframe that in saying there should be a lot of sex talks. There should be a regular line of communication on this topic Mm -hmm. to where there's a trust built to say where we've initiated and the topic is not taboo Mm -hmm. and to where there's, it it could be every six months, every year, whatever, but we're broaching that topic to where it's gone from being that kind of uncomfortable, oh my gosh, my dad said to me. Yeah. Oh my gosh, like it, he's talking about his story. That's so awkward. Or I, I'm actually not sure what he's talking about or my, my mom's talking about. It doesn't even make sense right now. But then that moment comes and they go, 
Oh, I remember. Yeah. I, and I, maybe I can actually come to them. I would say that the, the peak of that, where I do think a, a conversation where a parent tells their own story is appropriate, is that right at the beginning of middle school spot, around sixth grade, fifth grade, seventh grade, it's different for different kids, you have to discern, but there's an opportunity where kids feel they, their parents are still the center of their world, like we said, mm-hmm. but there's also a depth that they're reaching, and they're making that transition over to where everything revolves around their friends. Mm-hmm. And now it's all about what friends are saying, what they think, mm-hmm. I want to be liked, I want, I want them to like me, I want to earn their respect. And once you've ma- they've made that pivot, it's a lot harder to go back and be the authority to mm-hmm. say, like, no, I, I'm the one that sets the, you know, you need to come to me and ask questions. You yeah. need to come to me and talk to me about, you know. Um, so trying to hit that up in that sweet spot where they still have that kind of openness and curiosity about what mom and dad think, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and here's some more. I, w- I would say that's a good moment to say, hey, this was my story growing up, and I want you to know um, if you face these kind of topics and questions, you can talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, yeah. your parents have been through what you're going through, and the questions that you have about all this, let's go through terms. Let's talk about different stuff. Let's talk about what you might hear in the locker room at PE, mm-hmm. you know. And I want to talk to you about it in a way that hits good things, lots of positive things. Glad y'all stayed positive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a powerful thing. It's it's one of the most powerful forces in the world. And um, because of that, mm-hmm. um, it's talked about a lot. It's it's explored a lot. Um, and there's going to be a lot of curiosity around it. But Yeah, I mean, I think it's this idea that sex, uh, you know, we're we're within the kind of religious community, Christian community, faith community, and for us in particular, sex positive is this idea that sex and sexuality is a total gift from God, that it comes to humanity as something to bless and nurture and bond and create intimacy, and so as we're thinking and looking about sex while we acknowledge it's incredible depth incredible power we look towards it um with a good and jolly spirit as well (laughs) where we're able to navigate it with hope and integrity and joy and wisdom instead of it being um something that we navigate with like violence like associating sex with negativity or violence and it being an area of abuse while all those things can happen and do happen Um, really taking the lens of um, positivity. So as an example, 
I imagine myself sitting with Lena, and she is 13 years old, and you know, a few 12 years, and um, and we're like, I don't know, sitting at uh, her school watching a, a game go on, and then suddenly the track and field players jog by. And they got some short shorts on. And I see Lena blush. Awkward. Right? Feeling really, really awkward. Real, real, real Juno move, mo- moment. <laughs> Juno movement. moment. Yeah, Daniel's not there. And in that moment, instead of creating an environment where Lena needs to dart her eyes and get embarrassed and feel shame that she's attracted to these track players, Mama's going to go, they're cute, right? <laughs> and it's just going to create this little moment where it is totally a-okay that you are designed to be attracted to another person. That's like mm-hmm. part of our mm-hmm. DNA that we are made for intimacy with each other, that we are made um, to build families together. And so those little moments I am going to celebrate and I'm going to say like, yep, you're right. We're attracted to people. Mm-hmm. That's part of who you are. And then like, okay, how can we steward that? Like, what can mm-hmm. we do with that? Are we going to look again? Are we going to stare? Are we going to objectify those boys? Probably not, you know, <laughs> but creating that safe moment right in the middle to say like, yeah, it's okay to get butterflies in your tummy and be excited when, you know, someone looks your way, but like, let's steward that. Well, let's steward that moment. Well, um, I want to be a a kind of parent that if my, let's say, you know, my daughter or my, you know, young child as a boy goes over to his friend's house that we have the type of relationship where we could go back and say, can we turn this on? And I feel like, I don't know, that was really hard. I, I should have probably not watched, but I did. Mm-hmm. You know, what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. And, it, and there's not a fear associated with talking to me about that. Mm-hmm. But I can I can be a conversation starter to work through that with him. Yeah. And then he walked away from that conversation feeling like, yeah. next time, that is not someone I want to run from when I make mistakes or I do something that I'm ashamed of. But I, I can run to to equip me to talk about and, and work through these right. kind of issues, um, and that's a fine balance because well, not everything is a popular answer. We don't want to just kind of go like, oh, you know, there's a there's a balance between saying this is this is good, this is this is beautiful. That is not the that is the conversion of the way this is meant to be right. steered and right. looked at in the right. world. But um, it's important to name the good in it because something like with with uh, young guys and girls, and we definitely saw both sides when we were in youth ministry looking at pornography, I think it's important to have the moment be like, yeah, you were turned on because that's part of how you're created. Mm -hmm. And you're totally right in discerning that there is something really off about this. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to have the sex positive moment and say, son, I know girls are cute. Or, you know, like, I know that you have attractive places and still to be able to say, you know, that discernment that's built into you that you might not have the words for, but within the pornography industry is abuse. Children are being abused. People are falling into that industry because they sense that they do not have another way out mm-hmm. to have to be able to call out the darkness right alongside. Um, so another way of thinking about this is naming the counterfeit like, hey, that really seemed like the real deal, but you're totally right that it's a counterfeit. Mm-hmm. So let's figure out what the real deal could feel like or could be like. Mm-hmm. And you're right that there's a sense that there's something very attractive about that. 
imagination, creativity, which is all part of, I think, a healthy sex life, Mm -hmm. um, to affirm those things and create space for questions, for curiosity. Exactly. You know, we, uh, a lot of times with our students in youth ministry, I mean, our students are getting older and getting married now, and we find that we continue to be a conversation partner just because there's not a place for curiosity. There's not a person of conversation for, for... well, now I'm stepping into an intimate relationship, and what does this mean? How do I do this well? You know, that's a whole other animal. But that's part of inviting that curiosity into thinking about it more critically is um, to tell your own story, mm-hmm. um, and, and why the messy stories of Scripture of the Old Testament. I mean, it is not these are the paragons of faith because they lived blameless lives. That's right. Like. God still uses them. And so how do we keep that tension to say, like, grace isn't provided for us so that we might continue in sin. It's provided for us that we feel that we're wooed into a, a, a life of freedom. Right. Um, and and um, I think our stories can be examples of that to say, this is where I was. And I don't want you to have to go build from the ground up. Like, learn from my story. Let it inform how you go on living and build on my healing. Um, because if I share that I was addicted to pornography for years and then share the heartache and the turmoil of that with you up front, That's right. then when they face pornography, they're not going, well, I wonder if this is their life story. Mm-hmm. They're going, man, my dad really wants what's best for me. And so that was really horrible. Mm-hmm. Let me avoid that pitfall. Or if you're sharing about yeah, that's leaders, yeah, you know? like that that's totally spot on, Daniel. I think that um, especially when we think about our time in youth ministry, the times that we were most effective are when we had a standard, but we were able to communicate that standard by disarming with our own story, mm-hmm. of saying, "Hey, I have this conviction, or I have this idea, because it's been a long journey, not just because I like being a buzzkill." Like. Yeah. And sharing, you know, sharing our own journeys, it just creates so much room for conversation. It creates space for people, you know, as mom and dad, as spiritual leaders, whether we want it or not, we are put on pedestals. Whether we want it or not, in any time that we get to disarm that pedestal and create opportunity for conversation, I think um, is certainly the way of scripture. Definitely the way of scripture. I, I would love to give advice um, on the topic of being, feeling like you can't share.
care because you don't know all the answers. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of parent intimidation is I don't know if I'm going to say this question. You know, I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, or I didn't get this right, so I'm not exactly going to fool you on it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe we should just let the professionals deal with this. Or maybe, you know, <laughs> yeah. but the truth is, is that someone is discipling your children. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's going to be culture, their friends, the internet, whatever it is, someone is informing your, your children on how to do something that is, is important in sex, it's really important that we at least say something, and mm-hmm. that we're a more trusted source, for mm-hmm. sure, at least in how to navigate how everybody else is talking about it, um, and we can be a guide that doesn't have to have all the answers. It's really important, actually, I would say, to open it up in a way that if your kids are continuing to ask, you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. If they're continuing to say, but why? Mm-hmm. Well, what's that all about? Like, if you're, you're answering with the right thing, if they're, they're continuing to come to you and say, I, I heard this term the other day. What does that mean? Yeah. You don't have to go, oh, I don't, I don't know. You know <laughs> or you don't have to just give a little pat answer because they ask you. You can say, I'm not sure. Like, what did they say? Or you can say, mm-hmm. um, let me look that up and let's, let's talk about it. Yeah, um, let's explore that together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if they say, um, hey, I, I did this or I have these feelings, you know, whatever, um, and I'm thinking about it doing this you say well talk to me about that and, and work through like your thought process because part of parenting is transitioning from the boundaries that I've set up for you to you learning how to set up boundaries for yourself mm-hmm. and so I've got to transition that to you because eventually you're going to be making those decisions for yourself because I have to learn how to empower mm-hmm. you critically thinking through those boundaries you set up and making sure that um, you've done a good job thinking yeah. through not just um, oh my gosh yes like I feel like half of my journey with young girls and youth ministry was just like, you're allowed to just not be interested. Like, it's okay. You know, girls want to be so nice. And they're, it's like, you don't want to go to the movies? Say no. You don't have to, you know? (laughs) So teaching kids how to create their own, how to lean into their own convictions and think carefully. Mm -hmm. Think before you're feeling Twitter painted, you know, like, yeah. I've, uh, over the last six months, I've really just been trying to hone in on this and, like, open the door and everything. Mm-hmm. And so, um, my 11-year-old, uh, just, I, we have days together where it's just him and I, and so the other three kids go cuddling back in Charlotte, and he was like, well, why do you want to talk about penises? And I was just like, okay. And it was yeah. so super helpful resource that is a little off topic but something I think all parents should go through is this um, organization called Darkness into Light 
and it's just a couple hour seminar and you can even do it like you can do it individually or you can get a group to do it i think if your church is working with children any organizational level where children are involved this is an amazing resource because it talks really freely and candidly about sexuality and in particular child sexual abuse mm. and it gives you so many practical navigational tools of how to set very helpful boundaries for yourself and for the children that care for your children mm. or for the pe for the adults that care for your children mm. so literally like punch lists of questions and boundaries to ask babysitters or coaches or slumber, like even down to slumber parties is super practical, helpful resource, darkness and delight. Check it out. Would 100% recommend it and plan to bring any staff I have through that curriculum and material. Mm. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, that, that's a great resource. I'll add one note to that to say, um, when you're thinking about protecting your children early on, the main thing that that brings out is that it's usually not a stranger. It's actually yeah. a family member, and yeah. usually it's going to be older. Yeah. And um, I think that's just, it yeah. talks about that in a very open way and very helpful way. Yeah, not um, scary, but, not scary, um, but just a quick thing. helpful reality. Yeah. 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 Um, another resource that I'll say that's a little cheesy, but um, work, through, work through the Bible and what the Bible says with your kids of, um, about sex um, and I say work with them because it's easy to say you know pull out a verse out of context and just kind of say like well this is what the Bible says about sex you shouldn't have sex if you're married that's not really helpful yeah um, <laughs> if you grew up in you know uh, America in <laughs> you know like yeah. right now you got that much and the church has sadly said not much more than that yeah. uh, I feel like at least when I was growing up it's like okay okay don't do that um, but what that really leaves you with is a real poverty of sex, God's call for sex. Mm -hmm. um, Where's a good place to start? Like, what is the first scripture that comes yeah. to your mind about sex? Um, I mean, for me, well, so like Song of Solomon's is very helpful. The first place? I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe not the first place. That would be sex Yeah, sex positivity, though, you know. I think yeah. it's interesting that God made everything and called it good, and then he made Adam and yeah, said, Genesis. it's not good yeah. that Genesis. There's one. something to be said yeah. about like um, sex. You know, I love the, the. I guess you could call it the euphemism that the Old Testament uses, but that they didn't know each other yet. Mm. There's a knowing that happens yeah. on the most yeah. intimate yeah. level. Um, that that really is what we're longing for, especially mm -hmm. as we feel it so keenly in, in COVID. I want to be known, and I want to know someone, um, and we were longing for that in, in mm -hmm. isolation. Um, realized more keenly than ever, even introverts are like, this was nice for a couple months, but geez, even I want to hang out with someone. <laughs> you know, yeah. We're made for one another. And, yeah. Um, yeah. and we're made to be known on the, on the deepest level. Um, and uh, sex is really yeah. an expression of that. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so, yeah, scripture. Um, another one is um, real practical, common sense media. like a more helpful tool Video than just like games. your generic G, PG rating. Mm -hmm. 
because it gives you a heads up about particular content that mm-hmm. may need like extra parental conversation afterward or yeah, it's viewed by parents and it and it frames it from the mentality of um you know a lot of times we think the way to protect our children is to guard them to where they never see evil things but really that's not the model of scripture and mm-hmm. common sense media is not particularly like a scripture-based resource but the model of scripture says, no, we're going to tell hard stories, but we're going to frame it in how we can learn and grow from these hard stories. So I would say more common sense media is, yeah, this has some difficult content in it, but here's a way that it might be helpful for your children getting to learn kind of from narratives right. and all sorts of different things. So I is honestly it, use comment. by violence? Or yeah. Or present violence in a way that shows its true nature? Yeah. And how can that, how can that bring about conversation? And the same thing about sex. Yeah, right? it does that really well with sex of like does this glorify you know yeah or does it show kind of pitfalls which is really helpful yeah um the last resource i would totally recommend is a resource like covenant eyes which is an online browser Mm -hmm. um and you can install it on your computer and on your phones just full disclosure here like we use this as our household browser like this is on all of daniel's technology and we just do this because we want to live above reproach and we want to create safe boundaries within our own life. Mm-hmm. And so what it basically does is um, it monitors your activity online and then it sends a couple of screenshots to trusted friends. So you kind of choose who your accountability friends are. So I'm one of Daniel's. Daniel has another friend that's one. And it's just like a really helpful check-in point. It's, it's kind of the same mentality of, you know, we have this incredible nanny that we totally love that keeps Adelina during the day. And I just let her know, like, hey, I really miss Adelina. And I have a camera and here it is and point to it and say, just so you know, like, this is where we're getting to check in on her. But there, you know, there's just freedom when more eyes are on something. So, um, you know, the boundaries have fallen in beautiful places. That's, that's an opportunity. And my encouragement with that is, in particular, dads, like, do not ask something of your children that you yourself are not willing to do. Mm, and yeah. so if you want to model for your children good boundaries, create some good boundaries. And so a good boundary could be covenant eyes. Another great boundary could be, hey, at night we're going to plug in all of our technology in the living room on a particular spot. And all of us are going to take a really big break from our phones and not go to sleep looking at mm-hmm. screens. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, like in the privacy of our own rooms, that's sometimes places where um, – we're not able to be ahead of the conversation. Right. Um, yeah, I think the name of the game with the internet is so tricky because we can't just keep our kids from avoiding having to make those decisions for themselves, mm-hmm. right? But we can hold it off until they have mm-hmm. the mental faculty to be able to make yes. those kind of choices wisely yeah. for themselves. Because I think that's the kind of um, horrible thing that can happen so often is there's, that there's an exposure that Yeah. Be such a highly addictive thing. Not just um, for pornography. Um, yeah, children like adults. Like yeah, this is for sure. universal. But they, yeah. they're caught up before it's even there. You know what I mean? Before yeah. They're, um, uh, able to make the wise choices. So another one is that, that kind of equips them, uh, equips families to make those choices and be able to guide parental controls well holistically across all devices mm-hmm. is called Circle. Again, the, the point is not to 
helicopter parent for others, mm-hmm. but it's the stewardship in a way that um, allows parents to guard their kids from certain content and then introduce them in a safe way to um, content there that'll make them, help them make wise decisions and have conversations yeah. in, in timely ways that as they inevitably face different themes yeah. um, in life, they're equipped with healthy conversations and with um, good decision-making capabilities that um, that their ability to thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the truth is, is that all of this stuff loses its power when it comes to life. And if we can, if we can, you know, not be locked up in, in our own little um, dark place, yeah. having to work through this stuff, having to figure it out, because we're shame really does throw you off um, and feel like you can't talk about stuff. It's it's a it's a terrible terrible thing to feel like I'm totally alone on this topic. I'm so I'm so locked up. So we've got to do a way that, that's, that says we're going to create boundaries, but let me tell you, like, we're human beings, and... Yeah, those boundaries have tons of grace, yeah. tons <laughs> of opportunities for conversation. We yeah. have these, you know, tools in place not to, like, bust each other. You yeah. know, if something if something pops up on Daniel's thing in my email, I'm not going to, like, go back and be like, what's your deal? You're a pastor. I'm going to be like... <laughs> Hey, babe, what is this? Oh, I was looking up a movie. Okay. You know, like, it's just an opportunity for conversation. Um, And and vice versa. Like, we we have the... It's funny that we're talking about children, but we really model this as adults in our own life. Like, we have this on Netflix. We have guards to where anytime we want to watch something that's rated R, we put a code in. They know my book, know the code. But it's just a little moment where we get to pause and go, why do I want to watch this? And is this going to feed my soul? And is this going to present um, abuse as good? You know, just, just that simple question. Yeah. Um, and so it's not to say that we're not adults and can live as freely as we want. It's just like to put these little checks and balances in our own life. Yeah. All right. So um, we always close the show with a quote. Your greatest contribution might not be what you do, but who you raised. Mm. Wow. Okay. thank you um, that you're in the business of healing and reconciling and redeeming and creating new again that is the family business God thank you that you can take our sex obsessed world and turn it into something beautiful Lord I ask that on a micro level that you would give us here around this table all of the listeners today and beyond tools to be good mentors and coaches and friends and pastors and disciple makers for our children Um, that we would be grown-ups who are stewarding sexuality in a way that is encouraging inspiring protective full of integrity full of honor full of responsibility and that it would reflect your light 
God. We need your help. I pray these things in the perfect and precious name of Jesus, the name above every other name. Amen. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. If you liked today's episode, hit the like and subscribe button. You can find us on Instagram at Married and Having Fun. We'll be sharing cute photos of our husbands and all the things about marriage. Till next time, keep, keep having fun. fun.